Welcome to Buzzwords Business Models and Playing Devil's Advocate with Oscar Serizales. That is the title of this episode of the Event Manager Podcast. My name is Miguel Nefsch and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of EventMB and I'm joined by the Deputy Editor of EventMB, Dylan Monarchio. On this episode, we talk to Oscar Serizales about branding, about personal branding and the thought leadership provoking content that he shares on social media, sometimes contrarian, but always interesting. We talk about technology and its role in the changing role of, in the events industry and how Oscar sees uh, this evolving in the future and how uh, MCI and, in, and all its offices around the world approach technology. We do a little bit of a buzzword bingo with words like hybrid, experiential, and disruptive, decoding those and understanding what are real important words for the industry and what is just a buzzword for marketing. We talk about associations, uh, their role in the industry, and how Oscar looks at them and sees them uh, evolving and what may happen in the future. And we talk about how the post-pandemic events industry really looks like through mergers, acquisitions, consolidations, and even the role of technology in all of that. I hope you enjoy this episode and please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating. It's always great to know if you like the podcast. Thank you very much. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast. Uh, I am Miguel Neves, the uh, Editor-in-Chief of EventMB. I'm joined by Dylan Monarchio, the Deputy Editor. And this week, our guest is Oscar Serizales, the Global Executive President, Corporate Division at MCI Group. Oscar, thank you for taking the time to join us and for being part of this conversation. Thank you, Miguel. And thank you, Dylan. Thank you very much. Yes. So, Oscar, um, we've met a few times at trade shows. You have a very impressive uh, CV, resume. You've been all over the world. You're, you're now in Spain, but you normally uh, live in Singapore. Uh, you're uh, an athlete. You're an event strategist. You're all these things. And I wanted to start by picking up on, on this one quote that, I, that I've seen recently of yours, which is, thought leadership is the new sales. And I think this is something that you take very seriously. Um, and I, I have to say, I follow you closely on LinkedIn. I, I know that you use the tool uh, quite a lot. And um, you, you use it better than most, I think, as, as in my sort of social media analyst kind of view. And I wanted to maybe get your thoughts on, on that thought, thought leadership, how important it is. And also maybe then talk a little bit about your, your strategy around that. Well, that's a good that's a good question. That's a tricky question. That's a complicated question. Um, look, first, I I do believe that we are in the era of, I mean, a specialist would call the inbound marketing, right? The 
the era of interrupting marketing, you know, or even today, this morning, I was in YouTube and I got on, I, I was just watching uh, my team, you know, soccer playing yesterday and got, I don't know how many ads. So this kind of interrupting marketing, you know, the cold calls, uh, the flyers, this kind of things, I think that we are pastors and, and, and I do believe in inbound marketing. I do believe we're in organizations, where communities, where brands, associations or governments, they create the right, I don't know, let's call it ecosystem, let's call it environment. So you're you're kind of attracted to it. Is so they're earning organically your 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 attention, right? Some which something which is we're all fighting against attention of your of your customers. And I do believe that thought leadership helps a lot. The problem is that what's the definition of thought leadership, right? Um, in my case, to be honest with you, Miguel, I, I use LinkedIn as a, I would say even as a therapy, like every day I post something that I like or I found funny or interesting or made me think. I don't post thinking in sales or, you know, or clicks or views or, or how many, the number of likes. So I try to be authentic. So sometimes some people say, why are you posting this? Because that's a little bit you know, weird or something. I say, well, that's me. So I believe that one, we are back in the era of authenticity. And that's maybe not about the leadership, but it's about just sharing clearly well, who you are, what you belong. Number two, I do believe that, that we should stop interrupting people with stuff and more noise and more content. And I do believe the era of pure sales, I'm saying the sales are in it, of course, but it needs to be connected with other staff. So again, we're back to attracting people, audiences in the right way. So that's what I think. I don't know if I'm, if I'm right or wrong, either way. Well, I, you know, I really like what you do on LinkedIn. I think you always have an interesting opinion. I think it also has a twist a little bit contrarian sometimes, which I think is, is healthy also to kind of have discussions around important topics. But how do you think that relates to the event world? Because you know, part of what MCI does, part of what almost all event planners do is, is this communication and this attracting people to events and, and kind mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, a lot of people do the interruption marketing. And how do you think that then evolves into strategies for communication around events? You know, it's, it's... Well, you're mastering the art of asking difficult questions. So <laughs> let me see if I can answer that. Uh, look, I think that for decades, and this is something that I that I trying to evade myself. We've we've been as an industry very very focused on the, I would say the tactical kind of you know what I mean the, the tactical conversation, the conversation of being more effective, the conversation of being more efficient. The conversation of margins, the conversation of roles, the conversation of rules, the conversation of who does what and who is entitled to do. And I'm done with that. I'm, not me. I mean, I know a lot of people. It's like, okay, let's move on. Come on, guys. Um, I do believe that we need to talk more about a strategy. However, that's becoming also a buzzword. You know, all of us, we're talking about strategy. So the, what strategy? To me, is a conversation of how do we allocate our resources how do we bring this to the next level? How do we push the envelope? And if you ask me what I'm, what we're doing in our company and we're doing with a lot of friends and competition, I mean, all of us, it's, it's, I do think that we are in the business of building communities. And by that, I mean that whether you're a corporate 
or you're an association or you are a government or you are in this ecosystem as an agency, as a convention bureau, as a convention center, doesn't matter, of a tech company. You're in the business of building community and building community is a combination. This is an art and a science. So there we, need, we all need to think about create communities, building communities, grow, engage, um, create uh, somehow of a monetization strategy as well, replicate communities. And that's where I think we expand our brains. And this is not just about events. You all that we've been together in a lot of trade shows, and I think we all agree the fact that events is not just tourism, is business, is business, uh, is economic impact, is business transformation, is social transformation as well for destinations and for communities. And I do think the stretch is back to that. How, in terms of economic development and social transformation, uh, we do good. We do good for our companies, for our organizations, for ourselves, and for the planet. And I do believe that if we change this mindset of from events to building community and doing good and social transformation, economic impact, we change the game. We can change the game. It's not easy, though. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So going to, I, sorry, going back go ahead, to Dylan. the concept of building community, though, as events move to, you know, as, as, as events have in the past 15 months uh, moved almost exclusively virtually and mm -hmm. the content consumption for them has moved and it's to a significant degree on demand. How do you mm -hmm. think that's going to impact the, the shift towards building communities with events? And, and is it a question of expanding uh, your, your sort of service and your value to the community such that you're building the community and the value feeds into itself? Or is it kind of a question of events sort of moving their services more into the digital marketing sphere? Look, um, yeah, what I would say is, is, is things have changed, right? There, I would say that there's no, I don't see any new trend because of COVID. There's actually the same trends. They have been just accelerated, that's all. Um, so one key trend, it was before COVID, is how you get more attention, how the increased engagement, right? whether it's digital, because digital is nothing new. We have been organizing digital events and hybrid events for the last decade. It's not just- Certainly not to this degree though. I mean, there no, might have been some kind of a broadcasted- Absolutely, you know, absolutely. But it's just a volume game. It's just a volume game and tech is getting better. But let me put it that way. Best events, and by best events, I mean the events that are meeting their goals. There is barely a correlation between best events and best tech used. However, there is a correlation between best events and best design of the experience. And by design, I mean to be changing. And that, of course, is tech. Absolutely, it's tech. But as you know, is applying a methodology, a design, etc. In other words, I'll tell you about my, our own company. In NCI, of course, we used to organize pre-COVID five, seven, eight thousand events every year, right? I'm, I'm just trying to be very simplistic because what we organize is we do a lot of campaigns for brands and activations and, and also campaigns for associations and events is just a, a, a portion of it. So we do more, right? But if you, if you say with, with events, now we're doing 10, 20, 30, 40,000 to, to your point, Dylan, of course, that's not to the degree that we used to do it. Now it's bigger, bigger, bigger. Now the margins are different. So we went from... We went from um, low uh, volume, high margins to a different game, which is high volume, 
and low margins. This is a completely different game. So organizations need to be ambidextrous organizations and you need kind of two different business models. One, which is anchoring to kind of the past where it's engagement is experiential and everything. And another one, which is a new one, which is hybrid, which is digital, which is high volume and with a lot of tech and platform business. So it's kind of two different worlds colliding, intersecting. Let me give you just a final thought on that. Um, in the last year, so the last 12 months at MCI, 70% of the new hirings as talents, they have nothing to do with the events industry. They have nothing to do with the tourism industry. We're talking about the expected you know, tech guys, data analysts, et cetera, but also copywriters, also anthropologists, also psychologists, as you know, also neuromarketeers. You know, all these people that all the skills that together with the, with the previous skills that we got in the company, uh, need to push these not only to a new degree in terms of volume, but again, pushing the envelope to let's do the right event in terms of engagement, in terms of meeting goals for all stakeholders, and again, back to economic impact, social transformation, et cetera. I know I'm not asking, I'm not answering you, but I'm giving <laughs> some ingredients. Yeah, I was, well, I was going to say, I mean, if one of those goals now is about building community rather than engaging in traditional marketing as things move online, and, and planners in some sense have to upskill to deal with that, with the new online business models that you were talking about. And what, where does the community come into that? I mean, there's a strong precedence for, for communities online. If you look at the video gaming industry, if you look at you know, social media platforms, like major social media platforms, there's obviously a capability to develop that community online and it can be quite a strong community. So exactly. where, where is, uh, you know, where 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 event planners sort of missing the missing the well, boat think, on it? Yeah, to my point, I think is basically if you again, I'm, I'm gonna oversimplify everything, but I think is business model as innovation and new skills, as I said. So whether we like it or not, an event planner needs uh, to be surrounded by new skills. And you mentioned, for example, I don't know, electronic sports, for example, right? Um, or, or there are other industries out there that with different skills, they've been working on hybrid and digital for the last decade. And the level of engagement is huge there. And this is not only because of the design, this is also because of the content and the skills and the client mix and, and everything. That's one side of things. Then is business model. And as a, our industry, let's be, let's be honest, I mean, we have been working with business models that are anchored in the 80s, maybe in the 90s, which is adding good technology now. But as a business model, meaning a combination of the audience segmentation, the value proposition, resources, talents, new cost structures, revenue structures, it is very, very, very similar. So there is, in my opinion, back to your question, there is a lack of business model innovation and there is a lack of new skills. There is not enough new risk in upskilling. It's not enough at all. I mean, it's, it's, you, need new, you need new ingredients in the cocktail to bring this to the next level. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the role of technology in all this. I noticed that one of the things that you posted recently was the event tech 800 graphic that we also did a, a post on. Um, you know, I think it's uh, down in Australia. They made a study. They found 832 companies, I think, in the event space. Mm -hmm. What's your view on, you know, this, this kind of 
sea of different event technologies and different kind of options. Uh, I know we talked about, you know, strategy, not necessarily being the technology, but having a strategy mm -hmm. behind it. But how do you approach this, this sea of choices? And how does maybe MCI approach this as well? You know, I, I, I've seen some instances of, of having your own platform, but I've also seen some situations where you use different platforms. How do you, how do you address this? Uh, and how do you help your clients mm -hmm. figure that out as well? So, well, number one, I think is a typical case where there is an explosion in, in technology in our sector. We've, we've seen that in other sectors as well, right? And I think when it comes to tech, well, there's an explosion everywhere right now, right? Uh, event tech, MarTech, LabTech, agri everywhere is a, there is an explosion. So we should wait, wait and see. There will be consolidation for sure. The way we deal with it at uh, our company is we're... And again, I'm trying to simplify everything because we're we're a different. I mean, we have more than 60 offices in different countries and a lot of clients. And sometimes, you know, the clients they have their own tech and and everything. Sometimes we we come up with ours. But basically, we're tech agnostic. There are so many good techs out there, and they're becoming better and better and better. It makes no sense to just focus on one. That's number one. So we are tech agnostic, meaning that there are different solutions. We end up working with. Uh, and you know, event tech, we should define what event tech is, but okay, let's go to, if there are, I don't know, 10 different segments in the back of tech for each segment, we normally work with two, three, four, five, um, because we believe that we still need to wait a little bit till we get the one or two that are really above the others, right? And that's coming. Um, if you go to back to event tech platforms, there are some of them, they're really, really solid. The others are not that solid, but better when it comes to, to the possibility of customization. There are others that are not that um, easy to customize, but they're really good in terms of security. So you don't have the perfect platform out there. So we decide, depending on the pros and the cons, we try sometimes, it's possible, sometimes it's not. We try to be um, consultant to clients, say, let's do an analysis, an assessment, what are your needs, and with that said, this is our suggestion. Sometimes a client comes up with uh, with their with their suggestion, but you could you can tell that it's becoming a consolidation is is coming. So one, where we have a wait and see kind of of situation. Two, we're kind of tech agnostic. Three, we play it up with the stack, right? Uh, there there we play with the stack and all of our teams. Depending on the project, depending on the client, we'll, we'll play not only with one technology. Sometimes, you know, in a, in a digital campaign, you're playing with 25 different technologies all together. So basically, the technology is good enough. What the magic happens is where your team is start connecting all of them and one tech is talking to the other tech, right? So these are our approach to, to technology. At the end of the day, we believe this is not the solution. We, I believe, is just an enabler. Uh, is super important, absolutely. And it's just a matter of a scale and reach and also automation and efficiencies. So those are our take on tech. And I mean, I don't know if you can talk to the making that strategic decision. Was that something that you, you know, discussed about how to approach the, the different technologies? And also in terms of the training of staff, um, you know, I think you, you have a, a certain level of training or understanding of each platform, but there's probably some components where 
being an expert on a specific platform can help, right? How do you how do you manage that balance? You know, if you could talk to the decision of making that and also managing that balance of going deep on a platform or knowing different ways to connect different platforms. So again, we, we are, I mean, we're, we're probably not the right example here or the right benchmark because we are, as I say, we, we have more than 60 offices. So that means that each country is a bit different. Even if we work with the same client, uh, our team in India, working with the same client, our team in Argentina or Canada and Australia, they have the, they're facing different realities because some of the budgets are localized, some of the needs are localized. And even if your customer has a global strategy, when it comes to the local activation, it works differently. So um, to your point, the answer is, is a combination of top-down and bottom-up. Top-down meaning that from a management level, uh, we took the decision of focusing on a number of techs, right? But, but it was a good number, uh, meaning uh, that we took decisions based on, as I said, the level of customization, uh, sometimes cost, sometimes the tech per se, the ability to scale and reach, uh, customization, security, etc. But uh, allowing the local teams with the local clients also to come up with their own kind of needs. I'll give you an example on, 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 on one market. There are available amazing techs out there, but our team in China, of course, they need, uh, they need to work with some local kind of techs. So at the end of the day, you need to, to, to believe what's the right tech to use. So that's step number one. Step number two is globally and locally, we have certain things that are centralized and certain things that are localized. There are trainings and we got what we call champions. So if you go to the, um, I don't know, to the top three, five, 10 event tech platforms, we got champions. And by champions, we mean talents that they have been working with and testing and filling and fighting and understanding and failing uh, the different tech platforms. Um, but it's a, it's a continuous learning process because tech is evolving, right? So we need to work with them. It's not just to, to wait and see there. Uh, so this is how do we how do we approach? But again, this is just only on the event tech platform. As you can imagine, there are other techs out there that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to play a bit of a buzzword bingo with you, if you will allow, maybe to lighten up the, the questions um, and a little bit linked to technology. I mean, we hear these words all the time, hybrid, experiential, disruptive, you know, what, what is real? Like what is really a strategy? What is really part of the solutions and really part of what we should be looking at? And what is a buzzword that is just a marketing buzzword? I mean, maybe start with hybrid. How do you feel about hybrid? Is it just something that we like to talk about or is it actually an important thing that we should understand and, and kind of dissect? Yeah. Look, the first thing I would say about the buzzwords and, and I will answer you know, hybrid is that for us, for me, for example, my English is not my, my mother language. So we use a lot of limited kind of, you know, limited kind of words and we use a lot of these words. And sometimes we're talking to some, you know, Americans or Englishes or what you're using, how many times the this or that word. And sometimes you, you, you don't get it, so you're right. So that's first thing. I, 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 we use a lot of buzzwords, but I think it's cultural uh, or limitation in language. Second, on hybrid. Um, we've been doing hybrid for decades, not to the degree that we're doing right now. But second, I think, of course, is a buzzword. If you, if you take other industries, 
like again, sports. They've been doing hybrid now for, for a decade, right? So I do think that hybrid is here to stay. There's nothing new, by the way. Uh, it's just the tech is getting better, as we said. I think that the, the key driver here is not the event planner, is not the design, is not the tech, is the CMO. Uh, what we could say in the last, I would say, five years, is there's a radical change in the way that CMOs are spending the marketing dollars. Right? They're using more and more and more channels. They're fragmenting the spend. So the omni channel is different now versus five years ago. So it's not hybrid because we human beings, we tend, we're, you know, we're biased. And we tend to be, because of the evolution, we tend to be binary. One, zero, black, white, hybrid, or face-to-face -face or digital, right? So I think that it's not hybrid. It's like, it's not digital and or face-to-face. -face. The point is, it's there is a campaign. So it's a brand activating an audience. It's a company launching a product. It's an association activating their community. And they need to play with different channels. 10, 15, or 12. So it's not hybrid. I think it's a non-channel kind of answer. So to me, there's nothing right or wrong with the word hybrid, but I will change by omni-channel or multi-channel, which is a bit different, by the way, because an omni-channel, you have all channels speaking to each other and getting data. Multi-channel, they work in isolation in a way. So that's my opinion. I mean, nothing wrong with with the word, but I think it's 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 a limiting kind of of, of concept. And what about experiential marketing? I know this is something that you you talk a lot about, and and disruptive strategies. Are those things that that we need to kind of dissect and understand deeper, or are there marketing terms for kind of bigger things? So okay, let's talk about disruptive. Uh, well, you know, disruption probably is a, is the buzzword of the buzzwords, right? Um, I, I I really think that everyone. I, I it's funny, you know, when sometimes I'm reading something like this morning I was in Twitter, I someone saying I am a disruptor evangelist or something like that. And it, it, I, so far, right? Everyone is a disruptor. Every, everything is disrupting. Every technology is disrupting. I, last week I was with a, with a startup and they want to disrupt Google. And okay, good luck with that. So if you go back to the, the element of disruption, I think that's, that's the thing. So disruptive innovation is a term coined by, by Clayton Christensen. So this Harvard professor, if you go back and Google it, uh, disruptive innovation, basically, and again, oversimplifying everything, it's the moment when a market, you got the big, big players, they're not paying attention to the small players. Small players, and normally they come out with, with um, good technology, they're paying attention to those clients at the big place they don't want because they don't get enough margins. The small players, they're very agile because of size. Their speed to market is huge and they're growing incrementally exponentially, but they're so small that the big players are not paying attention. Suddenly, of course, they're growing exponentially, boom, right? They got a market, a piece of the market that the big players they were not paying attention to. And you know all the examples, the, 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 the blockbusters and the Nokia's of this world, what happened with them or the codex. Um, so to me, is the it's a buzzword and we need to avoid buzzword, but the concept is there. The concept of our ecosystem has been very rigid for years, meaning the players has been there forever. The rules of engagement, the margins, the who does what, 
You know, the I'm giving you an award and you give me an award and I do this and you do that and you cannot do this because that's not allowed even if it's not written in stone. Now it's changing. And COVID is helping, by the way. So I think that so if, you if you think about the forces impacting a market, substitutes, for example, not competition, but substitutes, a new roles, a new financial game, this is disrupting everything, but in, not in a, in a buzzword kind of, of process, more in back to Clayton Christensen concept of disruptive innovation, of all the small players, they're really fast going after clients of pieces or market share deals that look at that. In our case, in MCA, for example, uh, we have uh, different brands, we have different business models, we have different products, we've got stakes, uh, we've got spin-offs, and we're trying to uh, play this game, to innovate, to go fast, to test, and, you know, as a lot of people say, to fail fast if needed, and learn. So that's on disruption. On experience, I would say there's another disruptive kind of buzzword word very uh, experiential, you know, coming from marketing, advertising, but now in our, like in our business, I do think that uh, experiential probably is replaced by engagement, which is the, the next buzzword. And I think that whether you call it uh, an event, a campaign, an experience, an engagement, okay, it's there, but to me it's so obvious that uh, it needs to be an experience, but everything needs to be an experience right now. Uh, when you consume media, education, when you walk on the street, where you uh, get some food and a nice restaurant, everything needs to be an experience. So I think it's definitely a buzzword. And if you had to choose any of those as what you recommend the industry to focus on, what would you choose? Uh, and maybe there's three? other ones, right? Yeah. Other ones, any, any buzzwords that I think are big, what, what, what do you think is really what the event industry should be focusing on? Uh, okay. I'm going to give you another one. Um, I think that we need to focus in, in, and I don't know if the right is the right English, but there's a lot of books on ambidexterity. So you know, ambidexterity is you can play with the left and your right hand. If it's very easy, you know, ideas are easy, execution is hard. So the ideas on let's be innovative, right? Let's be customer centric. Let's play the digital game. Let's play the face-to-face -face game. You know, let's play the old industry. Let's play the new industry. At the end of the day, that's, that's really difficult. You need to have like ambidexterity, you know, an ambidextrous organization where you have like two business, like two business models, two coexistent models, where one is based in what you have been doing in the past and where you're really good in this face-to-face -face interactions, uh, activation of these kind of campaigns, but you're also really good in uh, a new business model with new clients, new rules of engagement, new skills, new ways of making money, new everything. And the coexistence of both are, 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 I think this is basically the key of survival and the key of growth now. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com.
So Oscar, um, wanted you to maybe take us a little bit through through your career, uh, and I wanted to cover a little bit of your your role with associations, and particularly with PCMA. I know you you've played some some pretty important roles with PCMA. Can you just talk us through your kind of career development, both in work but also oh. the the association side? No, oh. well, I'm not that important, but I share with you anyway. Uh, look, I'm um, I've been working in this industry for twenty something years, but I'm an engineer. So I started working for, for a company that was close to McKinsey, so a consultant. Uh, super big coincidence, I started working in this industry. That was 20 plus years ago, more than that, in Barcelona, my hometown. And that's the era of the Olympics, so everything was booming. And I realized that this was a sector was growing double digits. And I said, okay, that's interesting. Let's do something there. Starting in, a, in an agency called Pacifico in Barcelona, then I moved to uh, to GL events. So I was working basically in one of the convention centers here in Barcelona as well, CCAB. Then uh, joined MCI. So in MCI, I started working in association solutions uh, between Geneva and Barcelona. Then moved to Brazil to run Americas for the company. And uh, then I moved to Singapore to run Asia Pacific for, for the company. And then from there, um, my, my, my current one, which is around the, the, the whole corporate uh, business unit of the company, that's where I'm between Europe and, and, and Singapore. So that's professional. Now, personally, uh, to your question on, on associations, I was very well with, with industry associations from, you know, from the very beginning. I remember I started, um, again, 20 plus years ago uh, with ICA the forum for young professionals and i thought okay that's interesting uh then i was very involved in latin america when i was living there with sites uh at some point in spain uh, together with a good friend uh you may know uh, eric motard we decided that we didn't like any of the local associations so let's create a new association but it was so complicated to create a new one status and everything that we thought um okay let's open a branch or or a chapter or something and we contact MPI and we found MPI, the Iberian chapter. Um, and then I stopped. After 10, 15 years of being very, very involved with associations, with associations, I felt a bit, I don't know how you can, a bit discouraged, a bit. I don't know if I like what I see because I, 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 I thought it was a little bit of um, same people, you know, same conversation, same everything, same. I don't know. I felt I need some oxygen out there. And because I like a lot of, uh, I'm curious. So education content was my, my, the appetite of, of that I had. And I found that PCMA back then they have a, a good, uh, good content, good education that I was looking for. Um, and that's all. I started just going to their events. Uh, I found it interesting. I found it different. That was probably 10, 8, 10 years ago. Uh, very American back then. Now that they've changed. And basically, I met a good friend, Ben Pentecaburi, and now is running ahead of Europe for marriage. Uh, and Ben was the, the only non-North American board member. And I found it interesting. And then together with Ben asking, but hey, what do you, why don't you join the board? And we need more, you know, different voices, etc. I joined the board, I stayed in the board for, for a few years. And 
right after I, I left the board, I've been involved in a number of of projects with PCMA, actually more involved now than it was in the board. So projects, um, internal projects, external projects, uh, but what I tried, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, is just to connect my passion with PCMA needs. So for example, when it comes to business model innovation that we talk, we create a number of seminars, workshops. We created, uh, for example, leader, leader summits uh, and a number of other internal things. So I'm trying, again, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, to walk the talk, uh, not just being close to an institution for the sake of being close there, um, activating projects, you know, walking the talk. Um, this is where I'm right now. Interesting. Um, and could you talk a little bit about how you see it being complementary to to your role at MCI? You know, do you do you are you able to do different things? on behalf of an association and how does that complement what you do professionally? Okay. Um, I'm not gonna talk about our PCMA. I mean, in my, my best, the last 20, 20, 25 years with associations, okay? Uh, look, there, 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 there are two angles in here. So the number one is the positive angle. Um, education, but not the official education, not sitting you know, a session and a breakout, you know, education meaning all the people that you meet, right? All the so interesting, you know, uh, fellows, colleagues, competitors, peers, right? So that can be called like cross-pollinization of ideas, exactly. something like that. Exactly, exactly. And to be honest, um, my best colleagues are those that are, have been mentors, coaches, friends, and devil's advocates. Uh, devil's advocates of Oscar, are you sure about this? Uh, don't you see that coming? I really value this a lot. So that's what I think about education, not education on, again, the typical education, you know what I mean? So that's number one. Um, number two, they gave me the possibility also to, um, to do something. And by do something, I mean just to go and do shit, like, okay, let's do, let's create a certification for this. Let's create a program for that. Let's help here, right? And some point is the PowerPoint works, but they gave me the the also the ingredients and the resources to execute, right? Um, on the negative side, though, it's it's it could become a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Because we all been there. Like, oh, I need to go to this trade show and the other trade show. I need to go to that event until the event, and you end up like, okay, I have a job. So how how can do I do my job and at the same time, you know? Again, uh, so many hours uh, to the association. That's that's a trap, and I've seen a lot of people caught in that trap. And I think that at some point it's 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 addictive. I think it's addictive, and we all have seen all of us like, no, I need to go to there because I need to to be in that uh, whatever round table. And in reality, is no, you 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 don't need to be in that table, right? Mm -hmm. Also, I've seen um, on the negative side there are some. We all reckon I think there are some people with agendas and that I don't like uh, people using and abusing of being a, whatever, a board member or very close to this or that association. Uh, overall, I must say that it's, it has been positive, uh, bearing in mind that I've done a lot to not be caught in that trap that I mentioned to you. And you could see that the last 12 months, 
I've done a, really a, um, an exercise about trying to avoid as many, you know, uh, whatever digital events as possible because every day we go like 20. And at some point that was that was that was killing me, right? So I think that you need to choose your 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 path and your and select. You cannot be super active in three associations at the same time, and you need to be really careful with the with the time that you are allocating to your to your associations and to your job, right? Sure. Now that makes a lot of sense. And and where do you see these associations going? You know, this is such a, an interesting time of disruption, consolidation. You know, technology, um, community management. We were talking about earlier. Do these associations, you know, generally speaking, still have a role? Uh, and and where do you see them, or what do they need to do to to be relevant? Look, I think there's there's two uh, elements angles colliding, which is number one, what we all wish and what will happen. I think that we all need, and what we say, all the industry in general, the industry in general, we, we need, come on, I mean, we need less associations. I mean, we cannot have like 150 associations. Uh, that makes no sense. That's not efficient. That's not effective. And as an industry, we cannot have one voice. It's impossible. Even in COVID times, we didn't have one fucking single voice to go out there and, you know, and fight for it and, you know, and talk to governments and loving it. We couldn't do it. So we need less associations. We need consolidation. The reality, I don't think it will happen. I don't think it will happen because uh, we will, maybe, maybe it happened. I don't know. There, there's some consolidation, but it's very small. And I think that first we, we were all expecting some consolidation because of some associations suffering because of low reserves and everything, but because of government funding or because some resilience or others, I mean, they're still there. That's number one. Number two, as I said, um, when you're a member of an association or you're a board member or a simple member, you're very proud of it, right? And you want to, to protect your own your own, you know, your, your own friends and your own world and your everything. So, so I think that associations are, are and will be very, very resilient. Uh, but they're not effective because they don't have enough volume. The, the margins are not huge. All associations, whether industry associations or other associations, they're all fighting uh, for engagement, for new members, uh, for keeping sponsors. Uh, they got substituted, et cetera. So I think that the future should be around consolidation. I don't think it will happen. But number two, to your question on, on becoming relevant, I think that it's all, I think that society in general, it goes faster than associations, much faster. Associations are, are, are because of the nature of the association, uh, because they the governance and the way they're organized, they are, they're slow in taking decisions. And that's it. That was that was yesterday. That will be that will happen tomorrow. So I think there is a rethink needed. I think the 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 if you think the number one the decisions it needs to be more agile, and that only will happen if the sizes of the boards are smaller. I mean, you saw some boards are 20, 30, 40, 50 people. I don't I don't think that's very effective. Uh, I do think the value proposition need to be revisited. Third, I do think the associations, they need to be better in productizing by creating new products. It could be tech, it could be events, it could be uh, 
a certification, it could be magazine, it could be content, I don't know what it is, but I need to create something to glue the community. And again, back to what we said at the very beginning, that in new skills. And basically the last point is they need to be smart in how, what to insource and what to outsource. Let's put it that way. And I think that associations, as they, they, they are still, uh, they, they, they're probably the, in this ecosystem that the ones that they need to innovate more and more in their business model. Because corporates, you know, we are forced to, we have to. Uh, associations, they don't need to, but they have to now. And I mean, I think that's all great advice and you're talking about business strategy or association strategy in this case. But I, I guess what I'm hearing you say sounds like it would also apply to any company in the event industry. Would you give the same advice to, you know, business advice to people or is there a specific thing for associations and then the business advice would be different? Uh, look, I, yeah, yes and no. I do think that what I'm doing is what I'm doing. You shouldn't be, I shouldn't be doing that because I'm oversimplifying, you know, I'm stereotyping and that's not, that's not true. You know, each association is different and each player is different. Now, now, would I give the same advice? Well, you know, the, the advice that I'm giving you is the advice that my grandfather will give you. I mean, that's common sense, you know, speed and agility and common sense. Well, come on, we, you don't need to go to Harvard to do that, right? What I would say, though, is um, we all need to pay attention as, as companies, etc., that we're all biased. We're all biased meaning that we're all surrounded by people that tell us what we want to hear. We don't want to confront realities about you. Your product is shit, Oscar. Well, I don't want to hear that because my product is my baby, but maybe he or she is right. So first, we need to assess our own bias, right? Second, we need to assess. Um, I think we're all obsessed in what's changing, where well, we should be obsessed with what's not changing was not going to change. I think we'll need to get obsessed with less is more. We're all coming with new products and new services and let's do more communication and more content. We, we have enough content. The world needs less content. The world needs more useful companies. And I think this, we all need to revisit why you're here, what problem are you solving, right? And I think we're, it's basically down to my grandfather's kind of advice, he would tell you the classical, like we're all coming up with new products and everything. We're trying to find clients to our products. And I think that we need to find products for our clients. We have been looking in ourselves rather than, huh, what our associations, what our corporates, what governments need and secondly, do the exercise, what they will need tomorrow. Because if you ask a CMO, if you ask an association CEO, if you ask an event planner, what do you need today? They will tell you something. They will tell you part of the story. They won't tell you the other part of the story. That's what, that's, you know, that's what you need to, the, the art and the science to ask the right questions. But also when you talk about what are we going to need tomorrow? What are the new needs of tomorrow? So what are the trends impacting your clients? So as an example, we're all again obsessed with COVID, vaccinations, passports, government restrictions, but you know, that's obvious. Of course, it's impacting the industry. But what about new habits, the new consumption habits? 
how society will consume education or media, how organizations will be structured tomorrow, how marketeers are going to spend their money in their media channel. These are the slow moving trends. And I think this is our nature of human beings. We are very attracted to the fast moving trends. We're less attracted to the slow moving trends. So in fact, the final point would be we're all biased. And one of the top biased in this world is we tend to, um, I would say, undervalue the long-term impact of things and overvalue the, the short-term impact of things. And this is a trap. So I think it's all about traps. I need to be smart enough on a strategy and think it's all about where are the traps and trying to avoid the traps. That's, a, that's the evolution, I think. Some great nuggets of wisdom there. It came to mind that quote, uh, fall in love with the problem, not the solution. I think exactly. that's part of what you're saying there, right? So we need to figure out what the problem is and figure out different ways to solve that rather than have the and solution are, and try to match the exactly. solution. And Miguel, the art of thinking. I mean, we're all just watching and watching screens and, and, and we there's this lost art of thinking. Sit down and think, just draw something or listen to a podcast and then to your podcast and draw something, read, write down, think, go for a walk. We're all just, just getting obsessed with more and more and more content, but I think we are not thinking enough. I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes I go thinking, I go crazy, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. And something to consider maybe when we design events as well, right? I think exactly. adding more content to events doesn't necessarily make them better. Exactly. Uh, maybe having some thought time is also useful in all of that. Exactly. Oscar, thank you so much. We're going to wrap up. That's been fascinating. It's It's been uh, really nice to talk to you and just discuss all these topics. Thank you for being so open and, and honest about everything. Sure. Um, I want to wrap up with one question that we're asking all our guests that will hopefully lead us to even more great guests, which is, um, do you have somebody who you'd recommend that we invite to on the podcast? Oh, Lord, that's a good question. Uh, 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 uh. I'm going to give you, um, yeah, but I can give you a few names. I'm going to give you one. I'm thinking about someone that number one is what we would call a client. Someone that probably is, uh, you know, the type of people that you can talk to him or her about everything, medieval history, psychology, marketing, events, politics, all this one of those that you can go and get, you know, a beer or two or 15 and stay forever. Uh, a person has been very, very involved in, in a number of industry associations. And I think someone that thinks differently. So that would be Klaus, uh, Klaus Spahn. Klaus Spahn uh, works at IBM. Um, I would highly recommend him because he looks at the industry from a completely different perspective and has a very holistic view that goes from uh, psychology, the evolutionary psychology, uh, business uh, strategy events. And it, it gives you always the, the angle and the answers that you are not expecting to. So that's what I value about him. That, that will be my choice. Excellent. I think we'll, we'll follow up and, and see if we can get Klaus on the show. That would be great. Thank you for that recommendation. 
So Oscar, I just want to say again, big appreciation for being with us. I uh, hope you enjoy listening back and hopefully you recommend yeah, this to your, to your friends and your peers. Um, and for anybody listening, I uh, hope you uh, enjoy the podcast. Please do subscribe and rate us and uh, check back again for future episodes of the podcast. In the meantime, take care. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.